for takeoff. We are cleared for takeoff. Five, four, Time to take flight in your community and in your life. This is Audio Airstrike, hosted by Everett Hall McNeil. What's up, everybody? I'm Everett Hall McNeil, and this is Audio Airstrike episode 161. Now, it has been a crazy, topsy-turvy kind of week for a number of reasons. We hope you guys are safe. Happy New Year to you guys. I have a buddy of mine here. Uh, as a guest, um, all the way from Alaska. Yeah, this podcast is going pretty far. <laughs> uh, I have, he is, um, he's the podcaster for the 49th meal. Ladies and gentlemen, Mitchell Howell is with us, man. Thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome to have you here, man. I'm going to get right to the, I'm going to get right to the, uh, Right to the nitty and gritty here. We're going to talk about it. Um, the Capitol building riots. Um, what was your initial thoughts about it? And then I'll follow suit. Insurrection. I mean, hands down. I served in the military. My family comes from a long lineage of military families. And I know a lot of people want to try to compare the BLM and FIFA riots over the summers to the Capitol, there is a difference when you attack our Capitol building. There is a difference. I, I do not condemn rioting in any way, shape, or form, and I spoke out against the riots that were happening this summer, but when you attack our Capitol building with the intent to harm our senators and vice president and legislators, that is an attack on our country. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, here's how I look at it. And I'm another person that doesn't condone any rioting or any uh, looting of any sorts. Um, it is one thing to be mad and upset. About the fact that you are in a system. That was put in place that if you are on the wrong side of that system, your chances of financial wealth uh economic growth because of the zip code you might live in live in are slim that is understandable however here's what people don't understand when it comes to robbing and looting you are making it more justifiable for more gentrification for businesses to be rammed by people in those zip codes that are not from those zip codes and you are bringing the property value down to the point where it makes it easier for businesses that don't care about that community to profit off the community even more and not put no resources back into those communities. And you're making the statement to the city that they should not care about that particular zip code where that rioting and looting happened. That's the problems that happen now. On the other side, I get why those happen because of the growing frustration over generations and over the years. However, when you look back at everything that has happened from a riot and looting standpoint, what has usually happened? Businesses will buy up the block and they will profit off the very people that are destroying it. And there's no economic growth or no generational wealth for the people in those zip codes some of those times. So now that's one part. That's one aspect. 
Now compare it to an aspect where you got a bunch of people that are taking over the Capitol building, acting like domestic terrorists, all because they didn't get their choice on who they voted for. I was not happy in the past with some of the presidential choices. I didn't storm the Capitol building. I didn't throw a hissy fit. I didn't sit over there and put people at risk of getting shot or getting COVID-19. Amen. I so, mean, you know, I, I identify. Well, I used to identify as Republican and I leaned more to the right. And I was not happy with Trump being elected. I wasn't happy with Obama. But you know what? I voted. I did my part. I did what I could do. And more people felt opposite of the way I did. So the only thing I could do is take care of me and mine. I didn't have to go out and protest and everything else in which, you know, our country is great because we have the right to protest. And I will stand on that front line and be a soldier for anyone that is trying to exercise the right for a peaceful protest. And yes, I understand. Sometimes peaceful protests don't work. But to go to the extent on any side of of the aisle, on the left or the right, and I hate using those terms because it clumps people in in very broad categories, but to take your wishes from peaceful protest to violence is never going to be justifiable. And it's sad because... Unfortunately, it is a small handful of people on both sides that take people like me that have really moved to the center of things and turns me off from all your causes. Not yours directly, but people that are turning these protests into violence instead of working within the system, even if it's not perfect, the system we have. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that when you look at the situation that has gone on and you look at the different ramifications that have happened, there are some things that I find fishy. Uh, The Capitol building is supposed to be one of the most protected buildings around Washington, D.C. You know, that's where a lot of decisions are made. However, I've come across videos of certain police staff taking guardrails, letting these people come in at certain parts. I've seen videos of that, um, which always brings up a form of suspicion to me. A lot of people are saying there was a coup that happened, and I don't know who's at fault. Um, I don't know. Well, I should say this. I don't know within who set up that coup, if there is one, to just be letting people into a government building that's supposed to be... um, you know, established in high security and checkpoints. Well, see, um, and with that, though, I will say because being in the Navy, I was an MA, which is our version of the MP. Okay. I think the Capitol Police, their leader, the officers on the front line probably were doing the best they could. Their leadership failed them miserably. But when you have such a large, violent crowd coming toward you, you. Our country is not ready to see what would happen if our government did what they say they're supposed to do on protecting the Capitol. They would have just started mowing them down through the front door. And the body count, I mean, five is horrible, 
But let's face it, in the situation they were presented with, five is nothing. It could have been into the hundreds, if not thousands. And just like 9-11, the Pentagon's known to have uh, air defense systems. Our country, I don't think, psychologically is ready to turn our defense forces against the U.S. citizen. And as a police officer standing there at that door, and especially in this day and age, do you make that call to be the first one to open fire? So I think the Capitol Police were put in a no-win situation. And I've seen a lot of the videos, and I'll be the first to admit, some of it looks shady as hell. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if it was... Personal bias is the police maybe agreed with the rioters, individual officers, or if it was, you know, imagine being that cop here. You're there. You have 18 rounds on you, if that, a, a taser and a baton, and you have a crowd of three to 5,000 angry people marching at you. Do you, do you want to be the one to start that fight, or do you just kind of move out of the way and try to preserve your own life? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I got to give a shout out to somebody that deserves a Medal of Honor while my mind is on it. Officer Eugene Goodman. He is a U.S. Capitol Police officer that is called being a hero for single handedly steering a mob away from the Senate chambers during the deadly riots. Yes, um, that's the guy that was running uh, on the stairs on the video, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes, that I'm sorry. I love football, but screw Bill Belichick and any golfer getting a medal of uh, presidential medal of honor. That is the gentleman that needs it. And the three or, or what was it? Nine women that secured the actual boxes with the ballots in the middle of that. Those are the people that are true heroes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think. When you were staring into the face of uncertainty, when you were staring into the face of trauma, when you were staring into the face of anger, when you're staring into the face of rage and terrorism to stand up like that and to I mean, he put his life at huge risk. With the tension mounting up the way that it was for him to step in the gap and say, you know what, to help a few people's life get spared I'm going to kind of steer these people away from the Senate chambers because if more came in and some government personnel happened to be there, who knows what would have happened? Who knows what would have popped off? It could have been more traumatic than than what it already is. And I shudder to think how worse it could have gotten. So he definitely is a hero in my regard. And I definitely um, definitely I speak for. Cool. If I speak for you when I say this, he deserves. Yep. He's a hero. He deserves everything he's getting. You're more than welcome to on my on my behalf. I mean, that is that is a situation nobody wakes up to and makes. Oh, let's plan for this. I mean, you you always plan for general unrest, but to actually be the one man put in that situation, there's no training or planning for that. That's pure instincts right there. Yep. Absolutely. I want to talk about uh, speaking of instincts, um, a lot of social media platforms. Their instinct is to let people say. 
depending on what platform you are, almost anything. However, for the first time ever, we have seen that the current president up until the inauguration, which is a roughly 10 or 12 days away. Um, Joe Biden is going to be elected president. However, President Trump has been banned from all social media platforms. What are your thoughts on the pros and cons to censorship? While some people are very elated that he was banned from censorship, others have started to raise an eyebrow and being like, okay, if they banned him on all of these things, here's a couple problems. One, who's in power really to be banning him from all of these things and what are their attentions? What are they hiding and stuff of that sort? I'm playing kind of like both. I'm playing yep. devil's advocate here <laughs> for them to have the power to do that. What are they hiding? What are some things that they know and who is in charge here? And also another aspect to that, you have a bunch of hate groups online that are currently, as we are speaking right now, just as we're having this platform about positive change and about influence and, you know, good things and things that we can change in terms of life, society and culture. There are other people that have platforms full of hatred, hate, you know what I mean? Uh, Hate groups and everything like that. You name it, they probably hate it. And they are still at this particular time prevalent on social media and using social media as a vehicle, whether it be groups or Reddit or other places, Facebook groups or whatever have you, or or certain DMs, they are mobilizing through these hate group chat rooms. However, they are not banned as bad as Donald Trump is. So my question to you is, what do you personally think about the pros and cons in terms of censorship? Yeah, so this is an issue that I'm very torn on because I do lean on the side of uh, free business, free enterprise. And these are companies that have spent their money, their time building their brand. And obviously, as podcasters, we kind of know the dangers that go with who's associated with your brand. But at the same time, I it's such a dangerous slippery slope into this. Why ban him? Why not ban her? Why ban this group, but not that group? Because I mean, right now the um, leader of Iran has a social media account. He has a Twitter. He has a um, Facebook access, all of that. And these, he is very well known as a hate monger towards Israel and the Jews. And yes, Trump is a horrible spokesperson. I I don't care what, how you feel about Trump. He is not a public spokesperson and he goes off the, the top of his mind and it does fire up hate, but not to the level that's not already there that I see where some of these other groups on both sides of the spectrum on any issue go a lot further than Trump's personal words and they're still not banned. So it's that slippery slope. I really honestly believe, and I know I might take a lot of heat for this, 
but we need to redefine our Constitution for the modern day. Because there is nothing in our Constitution that talks about social media or Internet companies. Hell, they barely had a telegraph back then, a Morse code. It's a 250-year-old document that's wonderful, but it needs updating. And we need to figure out what role social media companies play. Because right now, I'm going to say they, they play godmakers. If they don't like what you say, they can completely shut you out from the public space. But at the same time, it is on a lot of these people, too, that feel freedom of speech means they can say anything. If you say, I'm going to go hang the vice president of the United States, come join me. Yeah, you're going to get shut down. You have freedom of speech, but not freedom of consequences. So it's that role. As a society, we haven't decided what role these companies play. And let me further say to somebody that may be thinking of those same thoughts. You realize if you make a threat to the vice president or the president, the police will be at your door or they will figure that out. I'm yeah, just letting you all know real, real freaking fast. quick. You know, so I mean, a lot of I, I was I was doing some reading and. You know, I was looking up, I was doing research on. So some people think this may be a pro because of some things like create common sense limits, stop fake news and false advertising, uh, curb access to harmful activities, um, less identity theft. Um, some of the cons may be it restricts too much information, who's in charge, possible censorship of free speech and cost. Well, um, see, the free speech thing, it, it kind of cracks me up because I love the Constitution. I've studied it a lot. Free, the free speech on the Constitution has nothing to do with private individuals or businesses interacting with you. The Constitution does not care about that. It is strictly how the government interacts with you. And I, the Section 230 repeal, I don't think a lot of people know how that's going to work out, and it's not going to be what they think. We take away that 230, which, granted, yes, it needs tweaks to it. It needs changed. It was written in 1996. So we take away uh, Yelp, any site that you can type in and leave something on, that site is automatically shut down because no company is going to take the liability because if I don't like your podcast and I go on Apple podcast, I say, hey, this guy's podcast is a joke and it's uh, just propaganda. You see that you don't like it. You sue Apple. Now they're on the line for millions to you. Don't give me no ideas. (laughs) (laughs) but 230 it sounds great in theory repealing it but the actual if you follow that logic out the actual consequences of a full repel is complete shutdown of voices on the internet except for after they go through corporate lawyers and everything else just like mainstream advertising on tv that's definitely interesting. It's definitely interesting. Um, could you go deeper into the appeal, what the appeal says in the Constitution? Just just so I just did because there's younger audiences that, that listen to this, too, and I just want them to be informed. So kind of go into that. Yeah, let me let me pull it up real quick. I, I will no say worries. I don't know it. Uh, word for word off the top of my head. Yeah, because I think I think it's important to. 
um, definitely informed because we do have a younger audience too that listens and I mean I think that's the one thing about this is that you have a lot of younger um, generations um, that are have their ear to the ground when it comes to something political especially Gen Z's um, millennials at one point we were in that same boat uh, being young and being exposed to politics and and seeing, you know, messages both uh, that contradict each other and also uh, go together. So um, let me know when you have it up by chance. And I yeah, think. OK, so here we go. Uh, actual wording of it is Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise, therefore, or abridging, abridging the freedom of speech or or the press. Or the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for a redress. So it, it says specifically the government to the people. There is nothing in there that even speculates on private business. And as we have Facebook, social media right now is classified as a private company they are not a government company which i would like to see i would like to see some hold on sorry no worries i, I hate websites that also pop up so i had a geico commercial going in my ear oh yeah they, <laughs> they trying to get their they try and get their money that's what that is but yeah there is nothing in there uh or the right of the people to assemble and petition the government for a redress of grievances. Social media is not officially a form of filing a grievance with the government. Any more than me and you sitting here on Zoom talking about our dislikes for the government or particular programs or whatever. So with that being said, what do you think is the next do you think eventually at some point that the constitution is going to have to consider addition or the people that basically as a country are we going to have to get to a point where social media is going to have to end up being a part of the constitution if so does that put every creative person podcaster filmmaker you name it creative person that has a platform in potential danger I, I is, don't is that think a- so much that it's going to wrap up in social media companies because I, I truly believe after this, uh, both both sides of the legislation branches are going to be gunning and breaking up the power of social media. They've nibbled at it a little too too long, a little too hard. But I think even as podcasters, I think as any cre- content creator, there's going to be more legislation, rules, regulations. I think on the independent side, we're going to see the FCC coming in and regulating a little more. And it's that same side of the coin. You know, there's going to be some good to it and there's going to be a lot of bad to it because in our political climate now, the problem is nobody can disagree and agree to disagree. If, you know, and this is not like my personal, but, if I say something bad about the BLM movement, there's going to be a large percentage of people out there that are automatically going to ignore what I said and label me a racist. 
if you, being a person of color, say something bad about Trump, you're automatically racist against him and his believers and stuff like that. There's no just saying, hey, I just don't agree with this. And it's going to get to the point where the government's going to have to step in to regulate what is put out in mass media. Yeah, and I think that I think that one of the things that we need to take into account is is that six I would say four years ago when Trump got elected, um, and I'm just speaking freely as somebody who is a millennial, somebody that was in his twenties um when Trump first got elected, um the one thing that I will say is this. As stuff started happening and as stuff started ramping up and as people came out, I noticed that there was a shift and the shift went from. You're on one side, I'm on the other. I respect you to. A huge lack of absence of the respect. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say that political tribalism is what is dividing this country. And in my personal opinion, me being now 30 years old, um, I feel like that political tribalism is just the tip of the iceberg. I think the problem is you have a lack of respect and a lack of open mindedness to a view that may be different from yours. Um, I think that is the situation that we are facing right now. And it's understandable why people get so shut off. And I will say this, and I'm not excusing the behavior. I'm not saying that, hey, this is okay to do. But when you are bombarded with the amount of media that we are bombarded with, we are bombarded with media ads 24 seven. This isn't how it was in the 90s where all you had to do was cut off the TV, cut off the computer. You're not bombarded with ads anymore. This phone that we're on where, you know, now people can watch a whole freaking movie, a whole freaking news article, a whole freaking news telecast on their phone from hours on end. Do you have any idea the amount of overload your brain is going through? And these companies are pulling, literally pulling a bunch of viewers with strategic divisive ads. Yep. They know what you're watching. They know how much time you spend watching it. And that's why when you look at certain pages, this is all the type of ads that you get because they take into account. This is how they make their money. They make their money by the amount of time you stay on that platform. It is yeah. not about quality no more. It is nope. far from quality anymore. And see, uh, now I'll bring up the point where you talked about the decisiveness of respect. You know, I taught myself, uh, not at the time, but now that I look back, you know, during the Obama era, I anything liberal was just like, you're dumb, you're stupid, you want communism. I was one of those guys. I'll say it. I, I was pretty, I won't say closed-minded, but I was narrow-minded. I had very little wiggle room, but there was some if you had a compelling argument. And then as we got into the Trump era, 
And I've seen it become a more and more prevalent just the hate towards people you knew. Not even the general public. Just seeing friends and families like getting screaming matches and trying to disassociate with each other. It caused me to stop for a minute and look and be like, damn, was I that ignorant too? And then I look back at it and I'm like, man, this is scary. And see, I really don't blame Trump as the problem. I don't blame Obama as the problem. I think, especially after Clinton forward, they're just a symptom of the problem. But they're the only ones we see on a daily basis. Because, yeah. and one thing I hate, and I know this is a little bit off, but it drives me nuts, as I hate both sides comparing Pelosi and Trump to Hitler. Until they want to kill 7 million people, they are not Hitler. That is the laziest, most pathetic comparison ever. What I have seen, especially on the Trump side that scares me as a history buff, is I see more of a Stalin or Mao Zedong of China, a cult of personality that is more scarier to me than anything they can do legislatively. Hmm. That cult of personality is what creates terrorists. Most of these people, if you would have talked to them five years ago, they couldn't tell you who the state senator is. They couldn't tell you where they stood on one belief. But now you have somebody as charismatic as Trump is, and he's a very he he's not stupid. People say he's dumb, he's stupid. No, he is very smart. Far from he it. Knows, yeah. He knows how to use his charisma for better or for worse. And now you have him and other big figures, and this is both sides. I say Trump because he's the president. But the left Democratic side, they have the same personalities. They just get a little bit less spotlight because they're not in the Oval Office. But you have these leaders that don't care about you. You're the average person's tax bracket is not high enough for a politician to care about. You are important once every four years for a vote. When they go to D.C., they're not like, man, I wonder what Mitchell would think of this. I should reach out and see where he stands. No, my tax bracket's nowhere near high enough. So you got these politicians that tell you they care. Have they ever called you on the phone? No. But they're telling you that that person wants to take away your right. The Second Amendment. Obama came in and everybody was going to lose their guns. The FBI, ATF, military was going to come round up your guns. I still have five at my house. And it's the same thing. Is We're so bombarded that we let personalities almost turn us into, into a religion. These debates are as hot as you put a Muslim and a Jew together and have them debate, debate uh, life philosophies is the same as putting a conservative and a liberal right now. Yeah, and, it, and it's pretty rough, man, because when you sit back and look at the situation, nobody it's like being in an echo chamber and you're sitting there with a crowd of people and nobody's taking the time to hear each other out. Like the reason why. I had a good feeling about bringing you on, man, is because you see through the divide. And after hearing you talk, you see through what's going on. And the whole point of the reason why I'm having this discussion with you is so more people can be hip to the fact 
that hold on a minute. We got crowds of people that have lost the ability to think critically and think from themselves. They have to depend on somebody as their savior. They have replaced their own critical thinking and have put it in the hands of somebody that they don't even know fully. No, you don't know anything more about them than you do Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie. Yeah, and I think it's one of those situations where that is a dangerous thing to do. Let me make this very, very clear. You guys have to understand that you can't put all your eggs in one basket. That is something that I have learned that people have taught me that grown folks that have been mentors to me have taught me you cannot put your eggs all in one basket. It is okay to vote for a politician, a mayor, a senator, or whoever. It's okay to vote at a local level or a state level or, you know, and stuff of that nature. But if you want to really see some type of change, you are going to have to be the change that you want to see. You're going to have to get your, your hands dirty and get into these communities and really figure out ways to help out the way that you know how to help out. You figure out what talents that you have and figure out a way to use that to better the community. And the problem that is going on is we are depending too much on a savior in the government confines to save an entire country. We have had a bunch of politicians come through and, you know, come in and out of the years, talk about what they're going to do. And I hate to break it to y'all. The hood still looks the same. The suburbs look a certain way. They never growed. Businesses are still being crooked. You know, pedophilia is still going on. Like there's, you know, you really, you Nothing's see. changed. We've color, recolored the Band-Aid. Every four or eight years, we just recolor the Band-Aid. Man, listen, here's what we do. There's an open wound. And we'll stitch it up, but we'll do a horrible stitch job with it, and it'll start bleeding again. <laughs> uh, you know, something we haven't even talked about that I was just thinking about as we we're talking about this that's really scary is as easy as people are being programmed with social media campaigns, we haven't even talked about the advances of AI coming in for the picture yet. Speak on when it. There, when there's not even, just think about it, there's going to be programs that any Republican party or not Republican, any um, political party or political agitator is he be able to go on the Internet, slide a credit card, and he's going to be able to pay for military spec AIs to run disinformation campaigns. And there's going to be no human input. That computer is going to know how to trigger each and every one of us individually. And it's going to be able to put an ad in your face that's going to purposely trigger you and there'll be no human behind it at all. Besides the guy that put in his credit card. That is a very scary thought. Like at least with social media, yes, they're powerful, but there's still people behind them 
And there's ways to punish them. There's ways to change them, to support them. When we get into that advanced level AI, which Elon Musk has talked about this a lot, is AI is scary as shit. There's no control. It is literally what you post on Facebook. That AI is going to read it. He's going to know everything about you. Your phone, he's going to know what you and your friends talked about and how to emotionally manipulate you. And if we ban it here in the States, I guarantee you China, Russia, uh, North Korea, Iran, those countries aren't going to ban that level of control. And we can't even think and get along over a politician right now. What happens when this becomes a global issue? So let me ask you this. Um, how did you come across this information and where can others find it? I, I, literally, I was. Um, Elon Musk has done several articles. You can Google Elon Musk and uh, AI. But this was just stuff I, I just got thinking about as we were talking a lot of it is the how scary AI is going to make all of this automated bombardment so much more. That is a personal theory. Like I said, Elon has posted some stuff on it, on his views on AI, but that by no means is that a scientific thing. That's a, just a personal thought that, holy cow, this is coming probably sooner than we want to think. That's interesting, man. That's, 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 that's pretty scary, man. I mean, um, cause, um, when you look at the, when you look at the whole landscape of how fast, uh, technology has grown, you know, part of me wishes I invested in Tesla, you know, four <laughs> years ago, but, but I didn't know about stocks at 26. Nobody told me about stocks at 26. So, um, one of the, the things, um, that, really mind boggles me is we're at a point now where I feel like I'm, I feel like nowadays I'm dealing with children um, where the, the younger generation comes off more mature and more calm and more thoughtful. And you can have conversations then people who start being like 40, 50 and up sometimes in some situations. Cause it's like, fam, like you're the older generation. You have seen things happen. You have been around the block enough times. You think you, you think after all this time, you can't be so easily manipulated. And then when you see the manipulation happen on both sides of the spectrum, it is mind boggling. And we all I remember like looking at it and I did an episode last time where you can literally hear me kind of yelling because I was watching it in real time. And that's how fed up I was last episode. But. um, It's. It's one of those situations where, OK, the situation happened and it's right in front of your face, but then I'm seeing. People just pick sides on the issue and be like, well, look at the hypocrisy here. I said, fam, you're checking the hypocrisy here, but you're not checking the hypocrisy on the other side of the spectrum. Thank you. Thank you. For perfect example. Perfect example. I'm all for police. But 
You cannot say blue lives matter and be totally fine with the fact that a cop or several cops were attacked during those riots. You cannot be fine with that. Yeah. Also, completely. Also, I'll go as far as to say this. You can't sit there and be like, well, also they have a reason to be mad (laughs) when folks y'all were quick and I don't applaud it either. You can't sit over there and justify with these guys and what they did and then turn around and look at an inner city riot and go, well, look at these animals. Y'all are no different than the people that was storming the Capitol. I don't see a difference. But people want to pick and choose what they want to be offended about. And I've we've talked about it. We've we've called that a lot on this show about people picking and choosing. I am all for respectful police. I am all for the liberation of African-Americans. I am all for us respecting one another. But what I will not tolerate is the constant hypocrisy, the constant bigotry that I see on both sides of the spectrum. It is completely, completely crazy to me. And, you know, it's disheartening. I wish it didn't happen. And I wish that more conversations, the fact that this conversation is happening between the two of us and we are on two different, we're on two different coats. We're talking, (laughs) we're sharing dialogue. We ain't yelling at each other. We ain't calling each other names. We're just having a very therapeutic and eye-opening conversation. Fam, what we're doing is rare because in this country, we don't even do this anymore. Yeah, no, it's true because... So kind of a little bit of my background, I grew up in the Seattle area, lived in Texas for a while, then moved here to Alaska. And so I have friends on extremes from both both sides of the spectrum. And the I, I hate to say it, but the liberals, my friends on the far liberal side, they are trying to take a victory lap over the attack on the Capitol. But they, they're doing the exact same thing that they're mad at everybody else for doing. They're calling anyone that supports Trump a racist. Yet if I call it, if I call anyone that supports uh, a hate group on the left side, the radicals of the BLM movement, not the BLM themselves, but the radicals of it. If I try to lump, if I say anything about, oh, well then that must be all BLM movement. Then it, it's no better. Like you can't pick and choose like you were saying, but even down to the individual group, you can't pick and choose what sides you want to call out while not calling out your own side in that group. Like that is my problem with that. A lot of the vet groups right now, they are torn between, because there was a lot of vets that were involved in the capital. And you know what? No, you can't just pick and choose that. Oh, well, it must have been Antifa. It could have been our vets. Our vets would never do that. I got so tired of that. And I don't mean to cut you off. <laughs> I, that's the one thing that annoys me. Every time as somebody that appears to be a right-winged person doing something that's obviously wrong on camera, some 
body is sitting over there saying Antifa. Let me say this very, very clear. We I don't even know. I don't even know how the group Antifa got started until Trump was in office. I didn't hear about this till a year or so ago about Antifa. We don't have it from at least at least I don't. I don't have information on where this group came from. I don't have information on what how this group got started. Nothing. This name is just out there and the people are just pinning this name to whatever they disagree with. And I think it's downright. I think I think it's downright wrong because nobody's doing their research. Yeah, and nobody's doing the their research. As, it's the same as pinning uh, all anyone that has a Trump flag as a KKK member. Like, yeah, no. this is wrong. <laughs> it, it, yep. It's not. And the whole Antifa thing is like. It, it just seems like a cop out at this point. Like it, it truly it, does. It, it's almost like saying that any Mexican is part of uh, MS-13. Like we know it's there, we know MS-13's there, but just because a Mexican broke into your house doesn't mean he's MS-13. Just right. because you got in a bar fight with a black guy doesn't mean he's part of the Black Panthers. Just because a white guy. Does something stupid, he's not KKK. Like, we, we got to start putting common sense barriers. Maybe that white guy, that Mexican, and the black guy, maybe they're just assholes. Mm-hmm. Did, did we forget that just assholes exist? We don't, <laughs> we don't take, we don't take things on a case by case basis no more. And no, that's, and that's, that's, and that's a huge problem. It's not our politicians, it's us as citizens. That think half these people, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but COVID 19, the vaccination, half these people I see posting stuff on it, I went to high school with them. They didn't pass the elementary science, let alone now they're <laughs> a freaking PhD. Same with politicians, half of the people on both sides of political spectrum. I went to high school with y'all. I loved history. Y'all couldn't tell us who the first president was if it wasn't a picture hanging on the wall. Like, when did we become experts? I call it the Olympic syndrome. Because look at the Olympics. The United States has a history of not giving a rat's ass about any sports of the Olympics until the year of the Olympics. Then all suddenly we got people coming out of the woodworks. They know everything about track and field, bobsledding. You got like whole NASCAR style announcers and the day after the Olympics are done, they all go away. And that's what our, our political debate and our just debate in general in this country has become is nobody cares about it until it's being spoke. And then you just fire off at the mouth. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild, man. I wanted to get your, uh, your thoughts on the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, I'm going to basically speak my piece on this and I'm going to let you start. All right. So my thoughts on the COVID-19 <laughs> vaccine is this. Hopefully that coughed on me. You got COVID. Uh, <laughs> no, I already had it twice. I'm good. Oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> that that joke turned serious in a minute. <laughs> um, no, we had it at the, we were suspected positive at the very beginning. Then my wife working in the jail up here, she ended up getting confirmed 
with the test. So then they treated us as we're all confirmed, but. Oh, okay. Anyway, gotcha. sad story. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. No problem. No problem. Um, my thoughts on the COVID-19 vaccine are this. I think that when you look at everything that's going on, you look at the situation, people wanted a vaccine to happen. Some people, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say everybody. Some people wanted this to happen so that way they can get back to life as somewhat they know it. And I'll say this for me personally, I'm not taking it because I prefer more natural remedies to build my immune system. And that's about as far as I'll go for that. Um, As far as the vaccine goes, I'm not going to sit over here and bash somebody for taking it. Just know what you're getting yourself into. Do the research, figure out if you're, if you're personally okay with doing that. Um, If you feel led to take the vaccine for whatever reason, Fine. Me, myself, personally, Everett Hall McNeil will not be taking the vaccine <laughs> for my own personal reasons. I'm not going to sit here and chastise people for taking the vaccine. Um, so that's my two cents, man. My thoughts on the vaccine are this. It is. It may be in other people's eyes good for some people. It may be in other people's eyes good for some people. But for in other people's eyes, it may be a chance to expose themselves finally to let's look up some natural remedies. What are your thoughts? I I, I could completely respect where you're coming from on that. Um, mm-hmm. Myself, like my wife's getting the vaccine actually today. She's getting her first shot at her work. I think a lot of it is do your research and know watching YouTube, some doctor from someplace nobody's ever heard of does not count as research. Do the actual research because this MRA technology that they did the vaccine with, I've actually been fascinated reading some different things on it that it's actually been around for a while, just not in main use production. And I think a lot of it needs, we got to respect each other's opinions on getting or not getting it. Just like any other vaccine, there is risk. I'm high risk because I can't have the hepatitis B shot. I went into seizures and had my chest swell shut trying to get it. So that's something I've talked with my medical team about is getting the shot. And, you know, I think it's, it's a thing of comfort. I think for a lot of people, some people are going to feel like I, myself, I figure I'm contributing to science by getting the vaccine. I mean, pray to God, nothing goes wrong, but at least if something does, especially right now, Doctors, scientists, they're going to be on it like white on rice. They're going to be all over it, trying to figure out how to make it better. And it it is scary sometimes being pretty much one of the pioneers in a new style of medicine. But by all means, unless you're just so far down the rabbit well on conspiracy theories of the vaccine, then no, I'm not going to give you the time of day or respect your opinion on it. You start talking about microchips and Bill Gates and New World Order, you're just a lost cause. But somebody like you that has your personal beliefs and reasons behind it, you know what? I'm going to respect that because you're not discouraging anyone else from doing it. And you've obviously done some of your own research on it. So I I think it's one of those things. It's going to be just like politics, unfortunately. You're going to have – 
the loudest voices being the extremists on both sides. Where me and you, if we met up at a restaurant, I'm not gonna be like, "Hey, man, uh, you got your 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 COVID vaccine?" He's like, "We can't be friends if you don't." No. <laughs> yeah, it ain't gotta come to that. Most people happen, but yep. unfortunately, I, I hate to phrase it this way, but the dumbest voices are the loudest voices. Yeah, sometimes it be like that. <laughs> you because, look at everything going on with the pet in 2020. Yeah, it'd be like that sometimes. Because I look at it, I have no business asking you if you've had the COVID vaccine. I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not going to go out to a restaurant and ask my waitress, hey, do you have the COVID vaccine before you you serve me? And if she asks me that, I'm going to tell her to piss off. That's my personal information. So just keep it to yourself. Man, that's a problem, too, is we feel we have to overshare every opinion. Like, no, keep it to yourself. You, we, we don't need it. Nobody cares that you're drinking a beer while you're taking a piss in the shower. Nobody cares. Do your own thing. Quit sharing stuff with people and then get mad when they react to it. <laughs> yeah, because then you're inviting it. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, then you invite criticism and stuff like that. So if you can't handle criticism... Don't put it out there. Even if you can, just think about why you're sharing this with people you don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I I see people all the time, they'll post something, I won't say sexual, but lewd. And then I'm like, you know, you just walked out, pretty much you just walked down Main Street in your bra and panties. Oh, Virtually no, that's not that. what I'm doing. Well, yeah, because you didn't go to Main Street, you went to Times Square in New York. Like, why? <laughs> I mean, I look at it this way, man. We're in an age of, and I'll end the show with this thought. We are in the age where people want attention. We are in an age where people want clout. We are in an age where people want uh, to feel valued. And if a like or click or subscribe button or a huge comment section that isn't progressive and actually actually uplifts and unifies people. They don't care if it's not about those things. They only care if they are in the spotlight and that's part of the problem. You know, I'll say that we see that all the time. I'm pretty sure I can speak to you on that as podcasters. Just go into any podcast group, man. And you see, it's just a dog eat dog. People trying to get that spotlight, even if they know it's not organic growth or nobody's ever get tuned in to their show more than one click or like. But look how many podcast groups are taken over by like for likes. Yeah, but I think I think it, the it's problem a drug. is... It's an addiction. It is a mental yeah. addiction to get that, that recognition. And as a podcaster, I'm not going to lie, it's kicked my ass sometimes. Like, I'm right. sitting here trying to preach like, oh, I don't care about that. No, if I like bust my ass and put out a good show and it gets 40 downloads, mm-hmm. I'm like WTF where right. somebody else can put up a stupid meme and they got 500 likes on it. So I get it. It is a struggle. But yeah, and, and, know, before you share personal stuff, just think about it. Are yeah. you going to walk up to your preacher and tell them this or your principal, you know, some figure of respectable authority? You're not going to shit tell them or share that with them. Don't do it for the whole world to see. 
Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with that. And and the one thing that I would recommend, man, is the thing that I will say about that is this. There is a lane for everybody. Everybody has a lane to play. I know there's thousands upon thousands and millions upon millions of podcasts now. There is a lane for all of them. There is people that that Mitchell can reach that I can't reach. There's people that I can reach. Mitchell can't reach. And that's the beauty of podcasting. (laughs) So for everybody that thinks it's this one brass ring, for everybody that thinks that only this person needs to be on this level, that is the divisive nature that will keep you from every bit of equity and leverage that you want. And that's how you get played. Amen. So I with agree that, completely. Yeah. With that being said, this has been another edition of Audio Airstrike. Um, I want to thank Mitchell for coming on. Thank you so much for coming on. We definitely appreciate it, man. We, I, I would, I would love to have you back, man. As as stuff progresses, and hopefully there is change for the better. So I want to thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, anytime. You, you got my contact information. Just shoot me over a message, and let's do it. Because. I, I just love having an open, respectful talk, man. And I'm going to give you a lot of credit. I know there was a few things we kind of disagreed on a little bit, but both of us were able to just keep it so real and casual that I guarantee 90% of the listening audience ain't even going to notice it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, you know, it's all about respecting where somebody's coming from. And you and you definitely got your eye on the fact that um, there's the other side of the coin that we need to see when it comes to this divisive nature that we're becoming as a nation. So I definitely and I appreciate say, that though, for people, you know, don't think because somebody posted something years ago, even as much as two years ago, that's who they are. I was not always a down the center guy. I was far from it. I was never extremist, but I was, I leaned pretty hard to the right. It took a long time and different life situations to open my eyes to it. So, you know, give people a chance to evolve on their positions and don't hold everything they've ever said against them in the past against them. Yeah, I definitely agree. So with that being said, thank you, Mitch, for coming on. This has been another edition of Audio Airstrike. Until next time, everybody, make sure that you follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes and all other podcast platforms. Also for the video portion uh, check us out on YouTube and check us out. Yes, we are on TikTok, ladies and gentlemen. 15 second uh, takes are now going to be posted on TikTok at Audio Airstrike. You can find us on all platforms, video and audio on Audio Airstrike. Well, until next time, everybody, y'all take care. <laughs>